Welcome to This Week in Technology, the show where I bring you a week's worth of technology news in a short podcast format, aiming to bring you cutting-edge technology, embracing new trends, and world-changing events. I'm Ben Adamson, and I look forward to bringing you all of this in today's episode. Starting out today, we'll talk about the SpaceX successful landing of the Falcon 9 rocket, which dominated technology news this week. It was a really exciting scene to see as all of the landing videos started to filter through YouTube and across the internet, and showing that it was now possible for this more complex spacecraft to be brought back to Earth and be reusable. In November, we saw the Jeff Bezos Blue Origin rocket land, and that was in its own way groundbreaking. But the SpaceX rocket is a more complex rocket and designed to go much deeper into space. So extending on those capabilities to send the rockets up to perform whatever mission is required. And that might be to launch satellites or in the future to do off-planet mining, really providing us with the capability to reuse those rockets and just have fuel costs and replacements of parts rather than having to each time build a new rocket and dispose of it completely. So a real change in the paradigm there and the capability for us to now really look forward as the human race, but especially exciting for technologists and for futurists to understand what potentially that next stage of human evolution looks like. We've obviously got big issues here in terms of resource availability and how we're going to move forward with some of our products, uh, given that we are running on short on things like helium and that some of those off-Earth sources, such as asteroids, etc., may provide some of those resources that we need. Also, when we start to think of constructing structures in space, like more of the structures like the International Space Station, which provide us with the base to perform various scientific endeavours, and also to work together as a planet to work out if and when we do want to extend civilization to other planets or to the moon, etc. So it's just a fascinating time and really interesting to see. I guess the last SpaceX missions that we have seen have had the failure of the landing. So previously you may have seen dramatic news footage of the rocket attempting to land on a floating platform out at sea and then at the last minute for that to fail and sort of spin off into the sea. So since those attempts, we've seen some developments in terms of the rocket itself and some changes to the design, but also obviously that strategic change in terms of having the rocket land on solid ground. And this means that rather than having to aim for a potentially unstable and small target, there was the option of having a bit more leeway in terms of just having the rocket meet the ground. But Really, obviously, things went very well and and went to plan this time in general. TheVerge.com reported Charles Miller, the president of NextGen Space, uh, stating that he thinks it's very clear the future is reusable space and that the rest of the world at the moment is really playing catch-up in terms of the innovation that's taking place in America with its space entrepreneurs. And it, it is fascinating to see these two... Uh, individuals in in Bezos and 
in Elon Musk in terms of really driving that innovation forward and also providing a face for that, which is something that we haven't seen, I guess, with the exception of Richard Branson, when we have a look at Virgin Galactic and what he's been doing there in terms of providing a platform for space tourism. Uh, he's built building his space port and we have seen some test flights there, but also obviously the loss of life involved with the, the test flight, which has happened um, recently. So it really is an interesting space and i think having these these um individuals who are are really driven to achieve these very particular goals even in excess of obviously what what nations are able to do at the moment or willing to do in terms of exploring these areas so the the commercial rewards obviously great in pursuing some of these technologies but also in terms of the development of individual nations and the the globe as a whole in terms of being able to extend upon uh, what civilization has become it is really something to sort of see that delineation between what the dream of an individual can end up being manifested into versus where you have uh, something that's done by committee. So if we think about NASA, where we had the space shuttle program, which went for a very long time and now has been discontinued and left us without that capability to have a reusable spacecraft which can deploy satellites, etc. But if we think about what happened there, it's really being beholden to the government budget, having to really meet the needs of a lot of different diverse stakeholders who don't necessarily have a scientific background. What we're seeing now is things really being reduced down to the remit of very powerful individuals who are able to take this on as a special project and able to provide the funding, uh, but also the genius needed to be able to really provide the outcomes that we're seeing uh, being brought to fruition now. And in terms of the cost savings, right now we probably don't have enough information to understand what those cost savings will look like because it's not a a regular production item right now. It really more is single rockets being built for these test procedures. Um, The flight was was an active flight. Satellites were launched. But until there's that mass production and that mass reuse, it's probably going to be quite difficult to understand the exact cost savings. But the numbers that are being thrown around right now talk about the production cost of the rocket being $16 million for the Falcon 9 and the fuel cost being $200,000. So if we look at eliminating the bulk of that $16 million manufacturing cost and then over time reducing that cost just by virtue of the fact that you'd be manufacturing a large number of these and that it wouldn't be a bespoke one-off we've had um, still a lot of development taking place on that rocket model so once you reduce that down to something which was a known quantity and started to produce them in bulk and then we're just looking at potentially refitting replacing parts and then that two hundred thousand dollar fuel cost the saving is massive in terms of cost but also in terms of of materials and just in terms of being able to make that routine uh sending lots of things off world or if we were in a mining scenario bringing lots of things back there really is a whole new world opened up in terms of being able to have that reusable space paradigm applied to a lot of different applications and i think it's probably quite difficult for us to understand right now uh, or grapple with what that might look like as it's very much an emerging space right now the main demand is obviously for taking satellites up and launching them into place Uh, and potentially also for scientific endeavours.
Moving on from space tech now to consumer technology, it's interesting to see that CNET are reporting on the most anticipated technologies of the coming year and how heavily that rests upon virtual reality systems uh, and also mobile handsets. So things like Oculus Rift, Microsoft HoloLens, uh, and also the wearables. So things like Apple Watch, the Samsung handset, and the, the, the Apple handsets, obviously. But what this all sort of comes together to, to sort of say is that we're more interested in how we interact with technology. So our our handsets are increasingly at a point now where uh, the modern smartphones can do most things. So when we talk about a new model, it'll often be a, a minor refinement or we are still looking for things like potentially better battery life. But really, the interaction with the phone and, and with our computers as well seems to be more the issue. So how are we more uh, effectively able to consume information? How are we able to increase our output? And also in terms of things like gaming and uh, things like multimedia, how do we increase that level of immersion? So for a lot of people, the virtual reality uh, aspect of it is now just starting to become something that's that's more mainstream. And we've definitely seen that with Google Cardboard. But the much-awaited Oculus Rift is probably going to be the kind of system that we'll see be more prevalent in people's households. So Samsung Gear VR tested the consumer market, but because it was bound up particularly to the Samsung handsets, really limited that functionality and bound people to use the Samsung handset and the apps that have been provided for that. So Really, having had the Oculus Rift in development for so long and having gaming companies start to build those products which will work for uh, non-Oculus Rift customers as well as Oculus Rift customers once it becomes available, it's going to be quite fascinating to see how prevalent that can become in the market. I think, too, probably things like the um, Nintendo Wii and also the Xbox Connect have been really important in terms of people starting to think about how they interact with technology and the fact that their bodies can very much become involved and that the sensory experience can be extended beyond just staring at a screen. So that sort of transition over the last couple of years to moving away from simply having a keyboard and a mouse or having a controller and starting to get a little bit more interactive. But, I mean, we all know it has to be simple, it has to be reliable, and it has to be consistent, which is really what we've started to see in terms of the the quality of the, the technology that's been delivered and also in terms of things like Google Cardboard. So how simple could they make virtual reality the fact that we're able to have these headsets which now consist of uh, at a basic level they can be made of cardboard but even the the sort of the $20 version that you buy off eBay is just a plastic casing to put your phone in and then you've got the one magnetic switch which um, messes with the gyroscope in your phone and allows you to uh, essentially click on things and that has opened up already a whole world of being able to do things like immerse yourself in 360-degree dioramas, be able to essentially have the experience of visiting places uh, and to immerse yourself into to gaming experiences and things like that. So really, I think this article from CNET, which starts to look at those particular technologies which are expected to be highly anticipated and obviously the hot things coming next year, 
Um, like handsets for mobile, like I think people are getting less and less excited about replacing that smartphone all of the time because that technology in a lot of ways has plateaued and there is a change in terms of what size is desirable and we've seen that the larger handsets have become uh, more accepted and that probably speaks as well to the fact that we do have so much rich media available to us and even when we're doing things like browsing the web or using Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, we really need that extra screen size now because we're talking about video we're talking about photos uh, the text based is sort of the the minimal part of it uh, and then things like like podcasts and other multimedia streaming uh, is also part of what we want so that that sort of speaks more to the storage or to our bandwidth capabilities so I think, you know, in terms of what we'll see, uh, there'll always be that sort of hype around um, whatever Apple and Samsung are putting out next, essentially, and then we'll have the other players like Sony and HTC bringing their handsets to the market. Um, But I think as well, once we get this first foray into um, virtual reality and Microsoft brings its HoloLens product, which gives us the augmented reality, so that ability to, um, I guess, do what Google Glass promised to do, um, but was a bit of a false start in terms of being able to give us, um, you know, a view into what's happening around us, but then to overlay useful information or to provide us with an interface which is beyond what we would see presented on a screen uh, using the palette of our, our whole field of vision. Um, so, look, I mean, we'll certainly visit each of those technologies as they're delivered throughout the year, and I really look forward to that. I think um, it, it's really going to be, you know, these next few years uh an amazing flurry of technologies and we've, we've really seen that in the last 12 to 24 months consumer technology has really i think taken a leap and i think for me it's been just things like that interconnectedness of things so having your you know your sonos or your bose sound system uh, which is seamlessly connecting to your handset and your computer and your tv and you've got your bluetooth headset which doesn't require any cables and being able to man- maintain quite a sim- uh, simple um, surrounding so just having you know um, you know your furnishings around you but not really having to have any bulky technology but having all of these outcomes delivered down to us now in terms of being able to consume so much information so easily and, and really pick up in different ways all of our news items and, and all of our uh, interesting uh, bits and pieces that we're interested in learning about um, but also being able to more effectively enrich ourselves so when we think about things like the TED Talks which are available to us or if we want to delve into um, you know NASA's YouTube channel or, or whatever um, there's never been sort of more opportunities for us to do that with ease uh, and in different formats and to do things like you know start to listen to something uh, in our living room on a, on a room system and then transfer that to our phone and continue to seamlessly listen to it and then as we get into our car to be able to listen to it there so it really is something that we're seeing now that end-to-end solution is is being delivered and once we reach that level of, of expectation it, it then becomes what is the next step what do we want to see uh, as consumers and users of that technology in terms of being able to um, you know challenge some of those things which are normal to us now 
uh, and and find what is the the next direction. So um, I think that that list really reflects that those sort of items. And then um, the final sort of item they've got there is the the patent lodgement from Nintendo for a new controller, which appears to be consisting of uh, essentially all screen. Um, so you're sort of running your fingers just over the screen, and um, that's exciting. I think in terms of being able to provide a, a controller experience, which just isn't limited to something which is default. So um, the controllers we have on the market right now you have a, a certain number of buttons a certain number of um, sticks to work with and, and and pads and that's it um, but with this one obviously it's going to be more about being able to um, you know swipe and press and, and have different things happen just depending on the context of the game uh, or what you're trying to do and again it's just about uh, you know taking things to that next step so accepting that we've reached a particular level of functionality but that we're now ready to test that and to see what works and what doesn't work uh, for people in terms of being able to to work out what is the next big thing Um, but also just in terms of achieving simplicity so what do we ultimately want in terms of being able to interact with all of our technology do we want to um, you know be able to to control everything from one product or do we want a number of separate products what does that ultimately look like and I think we're sort of seeing all of the permutations of that coming out right now um, and allowing us to sort of understand you know where that begins and ends and I think some of the other things which we probably um, we'll see come to market are things like the, the smart glass and the smart mirrors and those different kinds of outputs which um, if we can have them located around our, our homes and businesses again just give us the accessibility to information but I think as well being able to um, record and log what's going on with ourselves and, and that sort of health monitoring aspect which everybody's fascinated with right now I think we'll see that probably extend as well. So look, it's a little bit of a shorter than usual podcast this week, just being the last week of the year. Things have been relatively quiet with um, tech companies not doing uh, many major releases, etc. Um, the final item that we will visit is the fact that Steam uh, by Valve has had some issues in terms of its Christmas Day service and there was some initial reports of um, some security breaches taking place and users of that service being able to essentially see the details of other users on a random nature when they went to log on to their account details, so being able to see the names and the usernames and the um, the product catalogs of those different users. Um, and then it was further reported that the service had actually been taken offline in a, an effort to avoid a denial uh, of service attack that was potentially taking place. So that hasn't quite shaken out yet, but um, interesting to see. I mean, obviously Christmas is incredibly important time of year for any um, game distribution system. Um, so look, probably next week we'll have a bit of a wrap up on that one. But happy holidays to everybody. I really appreciate your time in, in listening. Uh, and look, feel free to go to the SoundCloud and just like the, like the episode or follow um, the podcast so that you always know when there's a new episode or a special episode that's come out. Uh, And yeah, take care. I'll see you next week.